Hey guys, welcome to the Stone Age Fuel Fit for Life show, episode six. Six. Episode six. I totally forgot. It's probably because I was all hopped up on caffeine and kilos. PR blend. It's coffee, by the mm. way. Yeah. yeah, if you didn't know. It smells like a warm summer's breeze. Like I, if I was laying on the beach in a chair, looking at the ocean and smelling it, and at the same time drinking a Mai Tai. I've actually been drinking this this week, uh, and it was it's my first time uh, consuming their caffeinated products or their coffee. Uh, <clears throat> and I really like it. I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but I think for most other people, they would prefer it to what I prefer to drink. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a really good coffee and it's uh everything us, us of a, I think. Right. It is. Yeah. Made, so I'm all about that. Made by roaster Joe right in Sacramento. And, uh, just, just so you guys know, they don't, didn't sponsor the show or anything. I just find that they're probably the coolest company in the history of the world. Funny yeah. story. They came out in 2013, visited the gym. We went and hung out all day and night. And we've been best friends ever since. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, and what I like most about them is that they sponsor athletes in what I, I would consider uh, unpopular sports. So like powerlifting, CrossFit, and uh, Olympic weightlifting for athletes who generally have to work like a full-time job on top of being an athlete so that they can afford to travel and compete. They sponsor uh, the athletes in those sports so that they don't have to worry about so much else. Yeah. They're pretty incredible. The one company I really feel strongly about in the community. And I think everybody else should, should mm. do their, do their things. I basically have stony fuel and caffeine and kilos gear. That's all I have. So let's get into the topic for today. So we wanted to, to get into this episode and talk a little bit about the, the disease rates we're seeing in t- today's society and talk about the fact that when we get injured, why we always get in this injury cycle and why this cycle just continuously goes until we finally give up or we get so injured, we can't even function anymore. And I think it's the the secondary part, especially is a function of the fact that we're, we're never really ready to come back, but our ego tells us that we are. Yeah. And what we're, I think we're mostly going to focus on today is sort of the type of common behaviors that we see that are, are associated with, uh, people who either suffer from some sort of chronic illness uh, or people who have injuries. And it, honestly, it's pretty similar. And it's we're going to talk about why it's getting in the way of you either being healthier overall uh, and being a better functioning person or being in the way, getting in the way of you being an athlete or being a capable athlete. Yeah, so I think the big problem, especially in the first one we talk about, is the fact that we have, there was a report that came out the other day, and it said that one-third of Americans are suffering from diabetes or a precursor to diabetes. And when we look at this, especially not so much type 1, because it's a genetic problem that isn't necessarily a lifestyle-associated disease, but when we start looking at type 2, it comes down to the fundamental fact that we don't understand how to take care of our health and wellness and we don't prioritize it until it's too late. And then when it is too late, we're sitting with the doctor and the doctor's telling us we need to make a change, but then there's a serious problem. And it comes down to a lot of people don't prioritize it because they say, Oh, I don't have time to do this. And Oh, I'm, I'm just, I can't make it in my schedule or it's too hard or I just don't want to do that right now. And, or I'm lazy, but these choices are things that are literally life and death for you. Well, and it's, it's also a matter of tangibility, right? So for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, I don't, 
I don't think about it because it's not happening to me right now. And therefore, you end up being reactive rather than proactive. And let me tell you, it's 10 times less expensive. It's actually like literally 100 times less expensive. Uh, and in the interest of like your quality and longevity of life, um, it's significantly better for you to be uh, proactive rather than reactive when it comes to your health in the interest of avoiding developing some sort of chronic illness um, or disease that obviously isn't coming from specifically a genetic disorder uh, or dysfunction um, and in the interest of your health or being an athlete, right? Is if you're not looking at taking care of yourself now, which we have a saying, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Uh, if you're not, if you make the decision today, right, I'm going to start being, uh, I'm going to start eating healthy 80, 20, uh, as in 20% of the time I'm going to do what the hell I want because food should be happy and God wouldn't have invented donuts if we weren't meant to enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, but also that you're going to come in and you're going to, uh, you're going to ask someone for help, uh, when it comes to your movement and being healthy and being some sort of, uh, having some sort of level of activity. Yeah. And when you look at the fitness industry as a whole, most of the people who get into this are people who felt really good about what they were doing and wanted to show that to other people and make that a career for themselves. And, but the problem is they get into this influx in society where nobody's ready to actually make that change and nobody's ready to commit to making that change. So when you look at when you do a high level fitness program like CrossFit, you're, you're in it for 150 plus probably a month and it's becoming more prevalent, but people still don't understand or prioritize the need for something like that. And, and it's, it's a little different when we coach weightlifting because people recognize weightlifting as a technical skill set that they need to be coached on because it's dangerous if they're not coached on because it's such a high-level movement pattern. But when we're looking at the general population, we need to get in the mindset of I need to take care of myself ongoing. So that way, when I am 60 and I'm sitting in the doctor's office, they're asking me how I was so healthy my whole life. And it comes down to personal accountability for people. They, everybody needs an accountability partner and everybody needs a little bit of a reality check every once in a while. And rather than saying, oh, you're okay, you don't have to exercise, you're, you're busy, you shouldn't do that, you don't have to eat healthy, it's fine, McDonald's is down the road, it needs to be, well, are you ready for long-lasting, implicating health problems that are going to haunt you and your children for the rest of your life as, you, as these problems become worse and more prevalent? And are you willing to make society have to basically pay for those problems and deal with those problems with you? And then as a result, your children and your children's children are going to be predisposed to problems like that due to epigenetic factors. So I think we need mm -hmm. to, we really need to take these things into account when we make those decisions to say, I don't want to do that because it's hard, or I don't want to do that because I don't have time. Remember, that one decision you make that you make multiple times over the course of 20 years ultimately manifests itself in type 2 diabetes and autoimmune-based diseases and other problems that manifest themselves that we don't necessarily understand, but are the product from long-standing lifestyle problems. Yeah, and even on the other side of that, talking about the like the interest of injury, 80% of people uh, through public survey for every study that's been conducted in like the last four years suffer from excuse me, adults, 80% of adults uh, in every study conducted in the last four years uh, when it came to back pain said that they suffer from sort of some sort of chronic back pain and they're taking some sort of over-the-counter medication, uh, some sort of anti-inflammatory and therefore a blood thinner, which slows the healing process, uh, to try and alleviate their back pain. And that's not what's going to solve the problem. 
right? What's going to solve the problem is, is some sort of corrective plan after that. But who would you have ever had to be there if you had focused, let's say when you were 20 years old and you're like, well, my back's starting to hurt now because I spent all this time in college. I spent all this time in school sitting at, desk, at a desk hunched forward. I'm going to go get some help and see what I can do about this uh, so that I can learn and eventually be able to take care of it on my own. Um, and then th that way you don't end up having to, you just know how to take care of yourself and you're not relying on people when you should be having your own time, uh, when you sort of earned it at that point, be able to move forward. And when it comes to our industry as a whole and other people, they're targeting you in the interest of how they want to make money and telling you it's okay to do things the wrong way because that's how they make something off of you because they keep you down. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you look, we have a good question here. We'll answer in a second, mm -hmm. but when you look at the way, marketing works and the way general generally the way the gym industry was born was the globo gym model so it was stack as many people as humanly possible inside these gyms and hope and pray that they never show up because you don't have the equipment and you don't have the ability to pay attention and to give these people the experience they need and so what we're what we see now is we see a shift and that model is being turned upside down and especially with the advent of crossfit which has probably changed the entire industry but what it's done is it's changed that and now when you walk into a, one of these places that costs 150 dollars a month you're getting that experience where they want you to show up where else are you going to find someone who's going to call you on the phone and ask you where you've been or text you when you're in the grocery store looking at cornflakes and wondering if they're healthy and uh, wh where else do you get that accountability partner and, and it's in these little micro gyms these are the gyms that bridge that gap between the medicals community and the health and wellness community and that becomes that keystone and that coach and we have a concept called the coach for life and that coach is the responsible person to manage your health and wellness long term yeah i've honestly only had one client take it up with me uh but you're never going to walk into a gym uh, like a big box gym uh, or a globo gym as we call them uh, and have somebody offer to like go grocery shopping with you who's got an, an emphasis and educate in education and a background in nutrition, right, or in uh, organic biochemistry, because I really don't like the study of dietetics. I'll be honest with that. But anyways, <laughs> moving forward, uh, I've only had one client take it up uh, on me for it, but I've gone grocery shopping with my clients, right? So in the interest of like, hey, let's go talk about um, what's going to be easy for you to prepare, how we're going to prepare it, uh, and what can what works into your budget on top of what we're doing here. And there are like there are personal trainers doing that at other gyms. But guess what? When you go into a big box gym, most of the time you're going to convince your, the whole reason that you're there is because it's affordable, right? Is what you tell yourself, right? Is, oh, I only have to pay $20 a month and then I'm just going to show up and copy what everybody else is doing. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to copy what they're eating because you're not following them home. So these gyms make all their money on the fact that they're going to get, I've specifically worked for two gyms here in, in our community that had 4,000 plus members paying every year for the years that I were there. And only or less than 5% of those people showed up and clocked in after the month that they started their membership. Exactly. You get what you pay for. And, yeah. you, and it's the model. The smaller the gym, the more boutique it is, the more the CrossFit ask, the weightlifting clubs, the more community oriented the facility is, the more likely it is you're going to get that full service experience. And that's yeah. what you need to make that change. We actually have a good question over here that might be a good segue into talking about injury and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So the other thing we wanted to talk about was injury. 
often we see people, they come and see us and they tell us, Hey, I've been, I've been on this roller coaster of injury. I get hurt. I come back, I get hurt. I come back and I just, I can't seem to get over these problems and I don't know what's going on with me. And this first question is actually pretty good because it's a good segue. It's what about overtraining with all the same factors? So what if you have these factors of disease and these problems and you're combining it with overtraining? So now what you're doing is you're overloading your body and your system with stress and you're going to exacerbate the problems that are exposed by the, the actual disease oriented symptoms like the type two diabetes and skin problems and being tired and lethargic all the time and not being able to get words out when you're thinking. These are all symptoms of the product of overtraining combined with these problems, which creates this horrifying roller coaster of just dive bombing into oblivion. And the only way to get over this is to Number one, look at your lifestyle problems and fix the lifestyle problems. But at the same time, you need to fix your overtraining problems. People think when they start training that it's going to help them if they train five, six days a week, twice a day. And all that's going to do at the beginning is put you in a position to where you're going to get injured after about a year. You're going to have problems and you're never going to give yourself enough rest to actually get better. And, and so when you start something or even when you're at the intermediate level, it starts off with, I want to do this for two days a week. And then once two days is easy and you're not sore anymore, you're okay, you add a third day. Once that's okay, you add a fourth day. And this this day, you add each day on over the course of like two years. And two, two and a half years later, maybe you're ready to train five days a week, twice a day. But I'd say to start, you're on your three-day-a-week protocol. Maybe you move up to five after a year or so. And then you don't go, two, you don't go twice a day until, what, at least two years in your training. Yeah. And I like to, to look at it this way. I don't like to call it overtraining. I like to call it a lack of proper recovery. And that's on a need... Uh, on a needs basis, person by person. Uh, and it's simply that like, you need to be capable of listening to your body uh, when it's telling you like, Hey, either something isn't working and you need to go correct it or two, uh, you've done enough and I need you to sit down for a minute until I'm ready to come back. Uh, and either you need, uh, you need to look at what you're doing when it comes to your recovery in the interest of like nutrition and sleep and stretching, uh, or it's just the interest of like, Hey, uh, like overwork, right? Uh, too much work. Uh, and then we're looking at like, well, I just need to take a day off. Uh, so even again, for, for some of us nationally ranked athletes and for people who've been doing things for a really long time, uh, you've got to take time off. Um, so it's not my favorite thing to do. And I hate myself the whole time I have to do it, but sometimes you get little nagging stuff. It happens. Uh, so what did I do the last time I had a little thing going on? I took, I planned on taking three days off to fix it. It wasn't fixed after three days. So I was doing small correctives. Obviously, I don't want to overwork the same tissue in that area. Um, but working around it to kind of retrain if there's anything not tracking the right way, well, it just kind of looks like I need to take another five days off. So take five days, you know, do some sort of Epsom salt baths, making sure I'm getting good sleep, kind of stretching, doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then coming back a whole two weeks later and then crushing huge lifts, uh, after I focus on working on technique, building back into that, you need to be able to listen to yourself and then respond according. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way you want to spot and identify these problems. And when you start to see injury creep up and when I, the way I notice it, when the athletes are doing it, cause they'll never admit it as a coach, I have to tell them that they're going to be injured and they need to cut back. And so the way I spot this is they come into the gym, they're dragging. I can tell they're obviously tired. They're grabbing different body parts and I'm, I'm noticing what they're doing. Like they're rubbing it like, Hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, Oh, it's fine. It's just, it's just a little twinge. Oh, why, why is it a twinge? I don't know. I felt it the last couple of days. All right. Take the week off. So those 
are the things that we do to spot, identify, and recognize what's going on. And, and then as a coach, it's my responsibility to tell them to stop. And they're going to say, but I don't want to stop. I just want to work as much as possible. And so then it's your responsibility to say, no, we're, let's take this week off and you're going to be better the following week. And when it works, they're like, wow, that's weird. You were right. And, uh, and so you, sometimes you need that accountability partner, both in your weightlifting career and in your, your life, that person to tell you, don't do this. It's not a good idea. Or yeah, do that. It is a good idea. And that's the way you stay injured. And that's the way you spot these problems. And if you are, um, if you're experiencing these problems in, in your, in your training and you, you don't have a coach, then the way you spot it is, do you wake up in the morning and you're tired? Do you wake up the, in the, at, go to bed in the evening, but you can't go to sleep? Do you have problems actually like, are you not hungry ever? Are you really hungry all the time? Like, do you have these issues that are, that are normal? They're not really normal, but you recognize they're happening. And if you're waking up in the morning and yawning, you either have a lack of sleep problem or we have an overtraining problem. And if you have little nagging things that never go away and start building on each other, you've got an overtraining problem. Well, it looks like we have another question. How long would you suggest to train two times daily? To train two times daily, how long can one take that kind of training? I would say... <laughs> if you're a CrossFit athlete, I wouldn't train twice a day until like two years into the sport. It, you have to be able to build into that level of training volume. And honestly, if you're, if your goal, right. Uh, we talk about this in weightlifting the same way. If your goal is to be a high level competitor, um, the biggest thing you're battling is injury is making sure that you don't get injured along the way. You should already be creeping into like the bottoms of national rankings of whatever your sport is before you start talking about doing something like that. Yeah. And, and same thing with weightlifting. I don't ever have my lifters train twice a day until they're at a level to where like they're getting nationally ranked. We're two years into the sport. They're comfortable. They haven't been injured yet. We're not trying to fix any problems or any issues. And they're really on their, their, their pinnacle. So we're really peaking for something strong. And, and the reason we go into twice a day training when we're doing this kind of stuff is we all, we often have to do some weakness correction and we have to do some movement deficiency correction. So session one is organized around, the actual training environment and the stimulus I want for that day or that week. And then session two is organized around, okay, now how do we correct deficiencies, weaknesses, or enhance something that we're just not getting in our first session of training. But when we add in the second day and we're at this like two year mark and we're, we're intermediate level at least or advanced, we also have to add in a lot of recovery methods because twice a day is going to destroy somebody. And the way we do this is you're taking contrast showers. You're, you're often taking things like ice baths. You're on the Mark pro recovery stem system a lot. And you're, you're consuming things like BCAAs because you need that branch chain amino acid to recover from all the, the load you're putting your body through. We need creatine to enhance the secretion of human growth hormone. Uh, those are my two favorite ones for my athletes. If they're on that kind of level, then we're getting on the we're getting on some creatine and we're getting on some branch chain amino acids and and those are the probably the big things. We might add some things as we notice deficiencies, but uh, it it really needs to be a structured approach because the people who move themselves into twice a day training without any guidance and without any support to help them get there are the ones who get injured after a couple of months doing it. And you could have just stuck with one day of training and or one time a day of training and lasted two years and been significantly better in the long run. So everything we do is organized around how can I stay comfortable and how can I stay fit and not injured long-term so I can have the ultimate level of success. Yeah. So it, and a lot of this comes back to, so let to bring it back into the interest of uh, those not trying to be 
um, regularly competitive athletes, but also in the interest of being an athlete and working with a coach is you need to be able to communicate and then you need to be able to listen and therefore act on the actions of your coach, right? So if you're working with a good coach, you need to be able to, to come in and you can ask questions. Like when I first started, uh, I thought that uh, I was hot shit and was like, yo, Chan, uh, <laughs> I can, can, do can I do, can I work out two times a day? Cause that's what the lifters at the top of the sport are doing. Uh, and he goes, absolutely not. When we sat down and talked, why? Uh, and I was honestly, I was kind of bitter about it for a little while. Uh, but look at this. I mean, I've talked to people who are big names in the interest of educating people and publishing content when it comes to CrossFit and well, just all strength sports. So like uh, CrossFit, powerlifting, uh, weightlifting, and it's taken them four to seven years to qualify for the American Open, listening and responding to the way that my coach has worked with me, it's taken me two years. Um, and it works a lot better for people that way in the interest of focusing on longevity and development versus, oh, well, I'm good at something. I just, I need to immediately be doing what people at the top of the sport are doing. I was listening to a podcast by another group of, uh, very overly educated people the other day. Uh, and they were talking about how there are people who do dumb things at the top of the sport. And we need immediate, immediately associate that to their success. They one either could just be a genetic freak or two have all this other good stuff going on. And they just happen to be throwing some dumb stuff on top of it. And we think that like, that's the thing that's making them great. They were talking specifically about speed ladders and I loved it. It was entitled <laughs> speed ladders or fake news, <laughs> um, which is awesome. But it's the same thing about like, Oh, well, you know, I, this is my first year of CrossFit and I used to be some sort of cardio athlete. So I, I do really well with my regular community. Um, but so I immediately think I'm going to be, I'm going to make it to the games next year. And people at the games are training for, you know, Rich Froney was training four times a day and he won four years in a row and got second his first year. So I'm going to train four times a day. You're not Rich Froning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a problem. I see a lot is we look at, we look at the pinnacle of the sport and we think we need to mimic that for the optimal level of health. And you see the people on muscle and fitness who are like bikini models doing their thing. And you see the pinnacle of the CrossFit athletes, you see the weightlifting athletes at the top of the sport and immediately look at them and say, that's what I need to do. Cause that's the best. And it's, it makes sense that you would think that way, but in reality, what you need to realize, like Dale was saying is these guys have trained four five, six, seven, ten 10 years to get to that level. And like the bikini models, even they're, they're doing this five, six, seven, eight days a week. They'll add an eighth day a week to make this work. It doesn't even matter. They make things happen mm -hmm. to work for them. They eat the right way. Bodybuilders. Well, women say, I'm, I don't want to look bulky. It's like, you're never going to look that way unless you want to get a really structured regimen to make that happen. So don't look at the pinnacle of the sport to rec to try to mimic that and to try to make yourself that way right off the bat. You need to look at yourself and say, where am I at? Who do I have to be my accountability partner? Who do I have to be my coach? And how do I get to where I want to be? How do I get to that level? How do I put myself in this four or five, six year plan, map myself backward and set milestones to obtain that long term? Because if you don't look at it from that long term perspective and that milestone perspective, you're never going to set yourself up into a position of success. You're always going to set yourself up into chasing rainbows. And nobody's got time to chase rainbows because you can't find them. Yeah. And to tie this all back into disease and injury, one of two things is going to happen if you're a beginner or intermediate athlete um, or health seeker. And you think you're going to do exactly what people like people that you epitomize who are at the top of their sport or whatever it is that they do. If you think you're going to jump right into that, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're probably trying to get into uh bodybuilding or CrossFit or some sort of sport. 
um, and you're going to follow their diet and you're not going to have their training volume and you're going to end up developing type two diabetes. Cause guess what? You need a lot of carbohydrate if you're at the top of a sport, um, in most cases or in some cases, um, or two, you're going to get hurt bad. Uh, it's going to get to the point where you get super discouraged. You're going to see this steady, steady decline until you break. Uh, and then you're just, you're either going to get super discouraged or you're going to jump back in. And we're talking about this, just this endless cycle of being hurt all the time. And we'll even sit here and, and talk about like the history of, of weightlifters that we follow and stuff like that. And people who are always really close to being great, but never are because they never let themselves heal all the way. They get to 90% jump right back into full training because they think they need to never allowing themselves to heal all the way. And then they get hurt like, th- you know, three months later and bring themselves back down. Exactly. So when we look at both spectrums, elite elite athleticism and health and wellness, it ultimately comes down to taking a good, hard look at yourself, stop using excuses, uh, give yourself a little kick in the butt, get it started, and then find someone who can hold you accountable long term and recognize that your health should be the most important asset you have and the most important asset you maintain, because it's ultimately the thing that's going to make you either suffer or live a great life as you get older. And as an elite athlete, it's the same thing. If you're always injured, you're never going to get to the pinnacle of your sport and you're going to have lasting nagging injuries and problems as you get older and as you transition out of your sport. And we see a lot of time with athletes as well, they'll eat a certain way when they're involved in their sport and then they stop and they eat the same way and they gain a lot of weight. And so we have to learn and understand that maintenance pathway as well. Everything should be organized into your long-term plan. And if you're not capable of holding yourself accountable for that long-term plan, and you need to find someone who can sit there and tell you, yes, no, maybe so. And, uh, and if you have that, then you're in a good position to keep moving forward. And, and that can come from generally people can confide in a friend to be an accountability partner. You can find a facility like a boutique gym. These places are perfect. CrossFit facility, personal training studio, anything where someone's willing to sit down with you and work one-on-one. Going to a big box gym might be a good start. But if you don't have someone to hold you to that, you're not going to start. You're going to find a way, reason to not go back. And that's mm-hmm. going to ruin everything you're doing. And that's uh, that's all she wrote. Yeah. And the, I just want you to before we, we leave you today, uh, Chan's got to get out of here in a minute because he's got to go coach the kids. Um, but the one thing I want to leave you with today in encompassing all of this is think about everybody likes to think about their health, their fitness or their sport is a credit card account rather than a debit card account. Uh, so what they think is like, well, if I go do all of this, then I can then reward myself with this. Uh, and it's usually like, well, if I'm working out a lot, I can reward myself with, uh, you know, bad food, or it won't matter that I don't sleep that much, uh, because I'm doing all this activity and that's supposed to remedy that. And it's actually quite the opposite. What you should be looking at when it comes to your, your health and your activity is like, oh, did I rest well enough? Did I do the recovery things that I needed to do? And have I been eating well? Okay, I've got that money in the bank. I can go spend it on activity to make me better. And that comes to both injury and disease. Uh, And when it comes to uh, how you address that with your coach, essentially you walk in to that person that's holding you accountable and they ask, did you sleep last night? What did you eat yesterday? Uh, And how are you feeling so that if we need to, we can adjust this training, how we approach today's training session so that it best benefits you. Because if you walk in and you lie and you're like, oh, well, I slept eight hours last night. It was super deep sleep. I woke up feeling energized. But I look at you and you've got bags under your eyes and I ask you what you ate. You're like, oh, well, I ate exactly what you told me. And really what you ate was, you know, McDonald's dollar menu. Uh, I'm going to see 
if I'm, if you're a good coach, I'm going to see in the first 10 minutes how that's going. And then essentially I'm going to say, I'm going to make you do your homework in front of me because you didn't do it at home. So, all right, now we have to adjust what we're doing to, today so that it's something we can get something out of uh, and actually builds on us rather than breaking us down. Yeah, exactly. Holding yourself accountable and letting someone else hold you accountable is the ultimate way to make sure that you're successful in your long run. And, and like Dale's saying, if you start exercising and you eat like crap, you're going to eat more crap and you're going to be worse off. If you start exercising and you sleep like crap, you're going to start looking like crap as you wake up. And everything exacerbates everything. So you have to make sure that as you do these things, you don't think that, oh, just because I exercised, I can eat anything I want. You have to say, oh, I exercised. Now I need to eat healthy. And now I need to sleep well. And you can plan your day out even like maybe Tuesdays and Fridays, you have your, your one cheat, your two cheat meals a week. And those are fun. And that's fine. We do that. We do taco <laughs> Tuesday and pizza Friday religiously. Yep. <laughs> and that's part of sustainability. If you want to be sustainable long run, you can't do a six day a week, perfectly healthy eating program because you're going to get tired of it, miserable and hate it. So plan your week out for maybe two cheat meals. You'll go, we like taco Tuesdays, pizza Fridays, but plan your two things that you really like that you look forward to and space them out. So it gives you the time in the week to actually look forward to it. So we know Tuesday's tacos and we get to Friday and it's pizza again. So it allows us to have something fun to look forward to something to invite everybody to, to hang out. And then it allows us that little outlet to give us a little bit of a break from it. Yeah. And to those who even think that like, Oh, well, as soon as I eat something, I immediately blow up. No, if you're eating healthy 80 to 90% of the time, and then you go eat pizza like we do on Fridays, um, which I mean, I go way out. I'm talking like <laughs> yeah, 3,000 calories, 4,000 calories, 8,000 calories in a meal. <laughs> um, your body, if it's already stored up everything that it wants and that it needs because you've been eating healthy, it's going to take what it wants from that and then just excrete the rest. So for people who are eating generally healthy, you'll find that you wake up after one meal like that, you actually weigh less than you did before you ate it. Exactly. After a night of sleep. That's right. <laughs> so everything comes down to sustainability, understanding that you need someone to hold you accountable and looking at yourself and holding yourself accountable. I hope you guys had a good time with this episode. If you have any questions, post them in the comments here or here on the Facebook or the Instagram. If you have questions specifically and you're listening to this on the podcast, shoot us an email, info at stoneagefuel.com, and we'll take care of you and answer everything we can to the best of our ability. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thanks, Chan. Um, I just kind of feed off of Chan. Uh, Chan's the one who puts all this together and makes sure that we publish all this content for you guys. Uh, so hopefully you're enjoying it. And if you can, give him a shout out, say thanks, because uh, he's the one who puts all this together and is kind of the mastermind uh, behind everything we do. Yeah, I just do stuff. <laughs> thanks for talking with me, Dale. Yeah, glad I could be here. It's been fun. It's always better with a co-host than by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. My head.